everyone and welcome to another episode of Dirty Money. I'm Ben Hedges and we've got Mike in the studio with us today. How are you doing, Mike? Excellent. How are you doing, Ben? Excellent. Uh, yeah, really good. And we've got some, uh, well, it's been a bit of a wild week, uh, to be honest, in uh, sort of politics slash finance. Uh, so we got Carl Icahn under investigation, uh, George Santos, the New York City uh, Long Island representative charged with money laundering uh the biden family also uh the in the crosshairs of investigation with the house oversight committee that happened basically on the same day last wednesday uh then we've got uh trump actually being found liable for a sexual assault back in 1996 in order to pay five million dollars to his accuser uh, when she's actually threatening now to sue him again we'll tell you why later on in the show and then we're going to cover the debt ceiling standoff between biden and the republicans and elon musk has named a new ceo for twitter who will be taking over in approximately six weeks we'll tell you all about that and more on this episode of dirty money but first of all if you're listening to us on any of the main podcast platforms do leave us a five-star review subscribe share this episode with your friends uh, and if you're following us on any of the micro content platforms as well such as tiktok youtube shorts and instagram reels our handle is dirty money show uh, you can share that with your friends as well and follow along so first of all now mike i know this is something that you wanted to talk about so i'll let you uh, start off with this one but carl icahn uh, is now under investigation. That's a big deal. Carl Icahn is pretty much the godfather of the investment strategy for mainstream hedge fund. This guy has a $10 billion hedge fund. Uh, he's considered, you know, the most successful hedge fund manager of all time. And now he's under federal investigation. Interestingly enough, the company that brought up the research for the investigation is called the Hindenburg Research Fund that's uh, actually created by a guy named Nathan Anderson, who in 2016 was basically a no-name guy who went to Penn State and worked in the finance industry and uh, is now commonly known as the guy bringing down billionaires. What, he's what he said about Carl Icahn is that his fund is basically a Ponzi scheme. Carl Icahn, who, who has a track record that goes back 30 years and he knows his stuff. And you have Nathan Anderson, who I, I found it even hard to find out how old this guy is. It's kind of mind boggling to me. Such an interesting character. They say he's 38 years old. He also went after wealthiest man in India, his company. He released some documentation at the beginning of this year saying that they were doing fraudulent accounting. Uh, he brought up 88 questions. Uh, I still haven't found the bottom of it. 88 questions to the, the Indian accounting firm. He created Heidenberg Research Firm because he wanted to go after fraudulent activity in the you know, marketing world for stocks and things like that. But he's also a shorter of companies, right? So he shorts companies all the time. So his firm essentially- So he shorts a company and then he comes out with an accusation? Is that, is that what he's saying? Oh, Maybe right. allegedly. <laughs> right. So, so in my mind, this guy is like, yeah, I'm going to create a foolproof program on, on how to make this work is like, let's find some dirt and then I'm going to short your stock, which he could have done. It's not a publicly traded company. So he doesn't have to uh, fight by these rules and, and to stand by anything that the SEC does. 
for publicly traded companies. So Nathan Anderson, is he the, the man of mystery behind shorting companies? He also admitted that he's one of the bigger, uh, he's made some successful shorts afterwards, right? He, that, he's quoted as saying it was a good deal. He also is known to not do interviews. So it's like all of the real research you want to find out about this guy, you can't find out much about him. So I'm kind of like, where did he come from and what is he trying to do? Carl Icahn. Now, you know, I don't, all I know about Carl Icahn is that he's a successful hedge fund manager and has been for, since I was a child. Right. So, but I also do know that he served as an advisor to president Trump uh, until 2017 he when he resigned. So, and I was trying to find out if there's some political motivation from Nathan Anderson and Hindenburg Research. I also wanted to see who funded it. Icon supposedly funded a PAC pledging $150 million for the corporate tax reform and endorsed Trump. Trump did lower the corporate tax rate, didn't he? He wanted to lower it to 15. I think he got 21% uh, in the right. end in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. I wonder if there's other motivation except for simply that he's just trying to short Icon's firm, you know, Icon's hedge fund. It's possible. Interestingly, Trump had also said that he would uh, nominate Icon for treasury secretary but then in the end he off he nominated steve mnuchin instead which is <laughs> it's kind of interesting maybe icon would have been more of a uh, a shocking nominee for it and he went with someone more mainstream i think steve mnuchin was from he'd worked for goldman sachs in the past maybe it's a case of uh, you know give give a more extreme candidate and then uh, and then walk it back uh, to someone sort of more palatable that would be easily accepted by um the democrats in the, the senate who had to approve it i guess um yeah I, I think that's definitely what trump was doing he was trying to play play things that he thought would work out better but it's interesting that nathan anderson's claim is that icon is taking old investors or new investors money and paying old investor dividends which is yeah. you know a positive thing so we'll see what ends up coming of it um, I'm I sure would be surprised if that was true. I, I would be very surprised if that was true, to be honest. Yeah, so so would I. George Santos, uh, he was released on a $500,000 bond after he turned himself in. He was uh, charged, he's been federally charged, uh, I believe, with uh, money. He pleads guilty to money laundering, in fact. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Mike? <laughs> George, George Santos, how did this guy get to be a... Uh... A, a congressman like honestly he seems to he, like this guy yeah he's he's a he's a character in and of himself like he's got there there's a charge that goes back to 2017 that says he was buying puppies fraudulently uh with bad check in pennsylvania and then he was like no someone stole my checkbook and then on top of it he creates this separate firm in 2021 uh, to help finance his personal campaign and uh, make sure that they're buying advertising. So he's going out pursuing donors and telling them that he's going to spend this money on his campaign. And then it turns out this separate company he created ends up taking $74,000 and putting it into a separate account. So George Santos, you know, I, I don't trust anything this guy says because he just lied through his teeth about everything that he's done. The, the puppies thing doesn't really sound like genuine, though. I mean, 
Really? Puppies? Even if you did buy some fraud fraudulently buy puppies, is that really something that you would federally charge someone with? I mean, it doesn't really sound no. like... <laughs> no, I don't think that's just something that happened to them before. But what the feds are charging for is the fraud with the bank account and the fraud with okay. the business in Florida and that he used those funds for personal things like credit card payments, car payments, uh, luxury clothes. And he supposedly wasn't a Brazilian drag queen under an assumed name as well in, in Brazil. Um, so it, it, it's it's like there's just so much mess there. You're like, go. You don't really want to touch it or deal with it. I mean, it, obviously he's trying not to show his fancy luxury clothes he bought because he doesn't change from his standard turtleneck and khakis. Uh, this guy's getting hit with charges. He already lied about having millions of dollars uh, that he made with his own family firm and then getting paid $750,000 from his family's firm. And, you know, and then he was frauding unemployment while he was running how much mess here can this guy get you know it's interesting though because i mean obviously it does sound like there are some some real charges here and it's a bit of a crazy situation but uh it seems that the news broke because the news broke off on this on wednesday and it seems that this was done to kind of distract the media from the other news that broke on wednesday which was the house oversight committee holding a press conference and releasing more findings about in their investigation into biden because many of the media uh they ran with for example the new york times cnn they ran with the george santos story their main headline on wednesday and the house oversight committee uh being way way down the page below the fold on websites uh basically um covered up and like which would be more important george santos laundering money or the president of the United States potentially laundering money because essentially that's what the House Oversight Committee is accusing Biden of pay for play. Um, so let's let's delve into that now because on on Wednesday uh, they held a pre press conference. Dave uh, James Comer, representative, uh, discussed new information in their investigation and they subpoenaed bank records um, and they're looking at transfer of money from foreign entities to the Biden family. Uh, many of these payments happened whilst Biden was vice president uh, and basically it's over $10 million from foreign sources. And they found that Hunter Biden and his associates formed around 15 companies after Biden became VP in 2009. And so in theory, they are supposedly funneling or allegedly funneling money through these companies from foreign sources for something. Uh, and they suspect it's pay for play or you know, influencing US policy through these payments. So I'll give you uh, some examples, right? For example, when Biden uh, was actually giving a speech about anti-corruption in Romania, they were actually receiving money from a Romanian national who was later convicted of corruption um, in Romania. Uh, and then funnily enough, that money stopped coming after Biden left his VP position uh, which would have been in 2017. And then there was another instance from a Chinese Communist Party connected individual who paid millions of dollars to the Bidens through various shell companies and even through family members as well. So they were able to receive this foreign money uh, in smaller installments. But the, the House Oversight Committee found all these smaller installments adding up to a larger whole, uh, which gives you these numbers in millions of dollars. And they had basically a web of LLCs set up uh, to sort of hide the path of funds. Uh, now, the, LL, the the oversight committee, they don't know what these payments were for. 
but they say basically if they were for a legitimate business uh, deal, uh, then there should in theory be invoices and records uh, and they intend to pursue and subpoena these as well. Now, of course, they suspect influence peddling, right? Pay for play. Basically, we give you some money and then the US policy on this will get changed to your uh, benefit or whatever. Um, but yeah, the next step for them basically is to subpoena invoices, financial records of what these business deals were for. There's a list of all these LLCs that were set up by the Bidens. So you can see sort of like all these different names. Rosemont Seneca is one that you hear name of a lot <laughs> set up by Hunter Biden. Um, but there's all these other ones that sort of functioned as a web of of companies where payments would be sent and they would end up in the Biden's bank accounts. It's crazy to me to think that, you know, here the, everybody's talking about George Santos, who's who's essentially, you know, uh, nobody you'd want to uh, praise or anything. But it's tens of thousands of dollars, if not maybe a hundred thousand dollars at best that this guy's laundering. Maybe I mean, let's go crazy and say it's half a million dollars, right? We, we've got the president of the United States literally taking money from the most evil entity that the world has ever known. Right. The Chinese Communist Party. Exactly. And no one's talking about how there's a, a committee telling you that your president is taking millions of dollars from the same group, the Communist Party of China, that kills and torch people for their beliefs and what they live by. And it's it's mind-blowing that we as a society can accept Biden yeah. as the president and his family when they're when they're accepting dirty money. It's interesting, isn't it, as well? In this investigation, you've got actual evidence. Whereas you remember when there was that Trump Russia investigation going on. And and I was I was always looking at it thinking, well, what what exactly are they accusing him of? And they never really gave you any evidence. There was something about a computer communicating with another computer, which turned out to be false. Like there was never any hard evidence. But I mean, this this investigation literally has given you their bank records showing you payments from foreign companies uh, and nationals and asking what are these payments for, right? And the, the Bidens haven't responded. Um, and it, well, actually, I think Joe Biden said that it's false or something. And then uh, the press secretary, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked to clarify, and she refused to clarify, you know, his statements. It's looking pretty incriminating, to be honest. Oh, it, it's definitely pretty grim. I mean, it only took them four months to figure out, hey, there's $10 million that went to your family. He's Hunter Biden, expert in gas energy uh, production, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was on the board of Burisma. Yeah, right. Burisma. Uh, so he's tried yeah. his hand at everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's obviously brilliant. When you're the president of the United States, you definitely should not be accepting or anybody in your family accepting money from a communist party entity. So there was another bit of news that broke this week as well, though, which I think probably like the Santos news was meant to distract from uh, this piece of news. And that was the Trump accuser, um, E. Jean Carroll, being awarded $5 million. So this happened on the day before, actually. I think it was Tuesday. It was either Monday or Tuesday. But anyway, like one or two days before uh, the news about the Biden family broke, um, Trump was found liable. Okay, so not convicted. This wasn't a criminal trial. But he was found liable for a sexual assault uh, in 1996 and also defamation. So this is very sneaky. But basically, the statute of limitations for rape and sexual assault 
both long gone in in New York State. Okay, it's it's way she should have if she was serious about accusing him, she should have accused him sooner back in the 90s and she would have had a criminal trial and maybe one um but yeah long gone but actually last year in 2002 they lengthened the uh statute of limitations for sexual assault and gave a one-year window for existing claims uh to be actually brought to civil trial okay uh, so so it, it looks as if this law was changed specifically for this case which is quite shocking um, so it's because of that change in the law last year that E. Jean Carroll was even able to bring this to a civil uh, case. And the jury found him guilty of sexual assault, but not rape. Uh, well, I guess they can't because the statute of limitations is gone for rape, uh, but not for a sexual assault. And uh, yeah, awarded him, awarded E. Jean Carroll $5 million, which Trump is supposed to pay. Uh, Trump said he will appeal uh, this case. But then Trump went on CNN on the town hall on Wednesday and he talks, he talked further about the case saying he never met the woman and making her out to be crazy. And she's now saying that she's going to sue him, possibly sue him again uh, because of the comments he made on uh, the CNN town hall. Um, and it, it's quite funny though, because Trump, he was talking about it on the CNN town hall. And he was saying that, you know, he, he was making her out to be crazy. And one of the things he said was her, her dog's name was Vagina, um, which when you hear it, it just sounds preposterous, I right? It was her cat. Actually, uh, he said, well, he said it, well, it was her dog or her cat. I don't know, but it was called Vagina. And we've actually got the link to her posting on Twitter about it. This is her Twitter. And uh, she says, uh, the cat's name is Vagina T Fireball uh, in her anti-bird killing collar. Happy Catterday, folks. That's an actual tweet. I found I found that today on her Twitter. She hasn't deleted it, um, but that's an actual tweet from uh, E. Jean Carroll, the, the lady who just. Now, of course, I mean that's not. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean her her accusation is untrue, but it, Trump was trying to use it to show her character. The judge the judge wouldn't allow it, um, but I think also her CNN interview with uh, Anderson Cooper from a while back, just sort of displayed her to be a bit crazy as well. Uh, where she said famously, um, you know, she said oh, that she thinks rape is sexy. Uh, and then Anderson Cooper was noticeably worried. And, and he said to her, we're going to go to commercial break. I tried to find the clip on YouTube, actually, but CNN seems to have scrubbed it from their channel. They've got a, a shorter version of it, but they cut. It looks like they cut that bit off because obviously it makes her look bad. <laughs> so, you know, I guess Trump was trying to make out this woman to be a little crazy uh, the judge wouldn't allow it, but he's now going to appeal and maybe he will be able to give some of this evidence that he wanted to give. Yeah, it, it, it's any way you look at it. I mean, it's it's not a there, there's nothing good that can come of uh, the whole thing of uh, assault sexually or rape or any of that. It's like what another another mess that's just being presented to the public. Uh, I mean, you're talking about something that happened in 1996 it's 2023 i mean that's this 27 years ago um why wouldn't you bring it up in 2020 2015 2010 Before the, when he when yeah. he first announced well why yeah. wouldn't you bring it up immediately but also why wouldn't you also bring it up when stormy daniels made the accusation when you know when he first announced yeah. that he was going to become you know run for president 
some of the details of it are just a little unbelievable. Um, although on the contrary, it, it is not uncommon that someone who's been sexually assaulted doesn't is scared to talk about it because of the shame or these things initially. And then years later, they maybe tell one other person and that person encourages them to come forward and they eventually come forward. So I don't want to say that it's totally unbelievable uh, because it can happen like that. Um, but there, there are just things about it that don't add up to me. Yeah, I mean, there was a jury here that was elected that that said that he's going to be held liable for it. So, I mean, it's interesting to think about that jury. I, I you know, they're obviously not going to release the details of who the jury was, but someone had to select the jury and those people selected on the jury had to come from somewhere if they're from Manhattan or, or Brooklyn. It wasn't Manhattan. Wherever. Yeah. Well, it was a Manhattan jury and, you know, Manhattan, I think voted like 80% for Trump. Uh, no, not for Trump, for Biden in uh, 2020. Uh, Trump actually wanted the trial to be on Staten Island, which is the only NYC borough to be uh, lean more Republican because uh, he felt that was fairer. And, and they're only just Republican. They're not like 80% Republican or anything. Um, so that probably would have been a fairer uh, venue for the for the case. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of question marks here. Let's move on to another political slash finance story standoff between the Republicans and Biden. The debt ceiling. So they've been they've they've got this debt ceiling standoff. Actually, if they don't sort this out by I think it's June first, um, in theory the U.S. will de de default on its debt, which would be uh, well not not the first time, but the I mean yeah kind of the first time the, the U.S. has defaulted on a few specific types of bond in the past, but basically this would be the first time that there would be a major default. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, Treasury Secretary Yellen saying it is unthinkable. I think most people think that the U.S. won't default. Um, and I was thinking, you, you know, if if a default was being priced in, you know, you'd see like two-year bonds at like eleven percent, you know, but you don't. Okay, so you you've got reasonable rates on bonds. Um, so I think people think that probably at the eleventh hour they will reach a deal. Um, but Biden, you know, the, the news this week is that Biden is reportedly using, uh, considering to use, uh, and it's unlikely that he will, but he's talking about it at least, uh, the 14th Amendment, uh, a certain section of the 14th Amendment to raise the debt ceiling without Congress's approval. And the 14th Amendment is the amendment that granted citizenship to former slaves, but it also did other things. And they're citing this section, section four, um, and this section supposedly all right supposedly gives authority to the president to pay off the debt uh without congress's approval or service the debt without congress's approval so the validity of public debt of the united states authorized by law including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for service is suppressing uh, in suppressing insurrection or rebellion should not be questioned but neither united states nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but all debt obligations and claims shall be held legal and, yeah, so be held illegal and void. So basically what they're saying is that the, this passage in legalese uh, basically says the debt has to be paid uh, and supposedly gives the president the right to do that. Now, if he actually invoked this, uh, it would probably 
immediately start legal action and it would go to the Supreme Court. So it is highly unlikely. Uh, but this is what sev what Biden has sort of suggested and several experts have said that this does supposedly give him the right to service the debt, keep paying interest, keep paying the debt, raising the debt ceiling without um, the approval of Congress. And we've had debt ceiling conversations for the last decade. Never, ever have I heard this 14th Amendment being no. brought up to step over the Congress and the Senate to change the debt ceiling, which is interesting to me. Why would this conversation be brought up to say that the president has more authority than ever before? Why? I, I, I'm pretty curious about this and why that, you know, I've never heard it. I've watched debt ceiling conversations since before Obama, when, when we were starting to really rack up our debt and, you know, the trillions of dollars. So now, well, you know, it's interesting what's in because you've got a, a GOP bill to raise the debt ceiling. Um, but it seems that Biden doesn't like what's in it. I'll, I'll read you some of the things that are in this bill. So he wants a clean raise of the debt ceiling. He doesn't want to compromise where he has to sign a bill that includes a load of other things in it. Um, so they, they want to limit federal spending and only increase 1% annually from here, which in real terms would be a decrease because inflation is, you know, at like five or 6% and normally it's 2%. So a 1% increase is actually a decrease in federal spending. Um, clawing back COVID money uh, that was, you know, appropriated, but hadn't been spent yet targeting the IRS. Uh, so the, the, there was a bill earlier that gave like um, 71 billion to the IRS. They want to rescind that money. Uh, they want to block student loan relief. They want to go after renewable energy. A lot of the things, uh, you know, laws that are forcing uh, renewables and they want to repeal tax breaks for renewables as well. So there's a lot in it. Uh, they want to boost production of fossil fuels, et cetera. So there's a lot in the bill that, uh, you know, Biden and Democrats don't like. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely how all the bills get passed. Is there something there? that one side of the party, you know, either the Republicans or the Democrats want for the bill. And then there's all this other stuff that the other party throws in there and they have to sign. So, you know, again, we're in that cat and mouse. Yeah. I think the cat and mouse compromise. Um, I think that a lot of our, our entire political system needs to be reformed uh, from the ground up. I mean, it, we should really look back to the 1800s and the later 1800s and and to really look at how our country formed you know right now we're in like this uh, corp corporatocracy where where you have all these companies lobbying for you know oh we want to do drilling we don't want renewables you know so exxon mobil has probably put you know i don't know how much money into the campaigns of the republicans who are behind it and then you have renewables that are solar companies that are probably on the democrat side so it's like when when do we start pulling away the the corporatocracy of our entire political system and put it back into the people's hands when's that gonna and happen? it's interesting the renewables and stuff is really aligned with china and the interests of the chinese communist party i mean china is it's one of their strategic industries that they want to become a leader in is renewables and a lot of the solar panels and windmills are made in china the rare earths that these uh these uh you know technologies use are mined in china so it's kind of interesting to see the democrats uh really pushing the renewables 
is it really for the climate or is it because certain Chinese donors have funneled money to them and, you know, want that to have that policy to happen, you know? Yeah, they're, they're fundamentally pushing their agenda to have global domination in several different sectors. And solar panels before 2008, you know, they're, they're made in South Korea. You know, that, that's really, even up to 2010 and 12, you, Korean solar panels were superior to everything else. And now it's all about Chinese solar panels, and it has been for the last five to seven years. So I, I totally get that. And again, let's pull back the the corporations and the investments. Let's let's be transparent on everything with the government. And I guarantee we will start to have some resolve on things like debt ceiling and spending and budgets and where's the money going and all the above. All right. Um, let's move on because there's one more story that's pretty cool and pretty interesting um, that we want to talk about. And that is Elon Musk has named a new female CEO for Twitter, who is supposedly going to start in six weeks. Linda Yaccarino is basically an advertising guru. She spent the last decade with NBC Universal and has brought them over $100 billion in advertising revenue in the last 10 years to that company. So it's really interesting to think about Elon's position here. So we have Tucker Carlson announcing uh, a few days ago that he's going to do his show now on Twitter, right? He didn't say it directly, but he hinted towards that, right? And now you have Elon Musk bringing on a CEO who helped launch Peacock. Peacock fundamentally changed the video streaming service businesses platform across the entire plane of it. Originally, you have the monsters, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon uh, video. The smart people at NBC, they owned Hulu. So they're turning around and they're going to say, we're going to sell Hulu. They sell Hulu to Disney for $32 billion. The next year, what do they come out with? Peacock. How do they change Peacock? Peacock has a three-tier system. You can log in and watch videos there for free. All you need is your email and to create your login. Second thing is they have a mid-level tier. Before that, before Peacock did the one, two, three tier, you know, the free uh, with ads and without advertising tiers, no one else did that. They they are the originators of that. So my, my vision that I see happening with Twitter now is that's not going to be Twitter anymore. X.com is the name that he's going to, is going to be his yeah. umbrella website. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so it's interesting to think that, you know, 66% of all social media users are now watching video. You're starting to see that 66% of the engagement is coming from uh, video engagement and that's it. So now you have probably the largest, uh, was the largest uh, host for evening television uh, on cable, Tucker Carlson going over to Twitter and he's going to do his show there. And now you have someone who was a fundamental piece into launching one of the largest video streaming platforms in the world running as a CEO for Twitter. Twitter is definitely making the move towards becoming a video streaming system. I don't know if they're going to do a platform paid service, but they're they're stepping into that realm and they're going full steam ahead well, with it. 
a few weeks ago, Elon actually opened up, uh, he, he increased the gigabyte size of, of video files that you could put on Twitter. Uh, I started uploading some some stuff I put on YouTube onto Twitter as well, uh, just to see how it does. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, Twitter, but from what it looks like, he wants to become similar to YouTube, to have the same video capabilities. Is there an opportunity here for somebody to open up uh, Twitter 2.0 and just make it 150 characters again? I'm interested to see what could be there. Any entrepreneurs who watch this, think about that for a second. 150 characters, original Twitter. You might not get... I always uh, found it a little limiting. Of course. But it was it was about what were you going to say with what you were given, right? So, you know, you have... You have Jay-Z, who was one of the first people to come out and speak publicly about using Twitter as a musician, right? He put it in his songs. So it's interesting to really think about, you know, is someone going to step into that space? Even if you don't get the 30 million users or 60 million users, however many users Twitter has, maybe you get a million. Even if you get 500,000, that's a pretty powerful place to, to have people voice their 150 characters. It's also interesting to see, just like you said with Jay-Z, like in the past, these social media sites, I think they strategically got certain celebrities to use them to, you know, to get lots of people on onboarding. And you can now see the similar plan with, with Tucker Carlson, major news celebrity on the other side, the conservative celebrity, Elon's doing the same thing with him. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see. But basically, these platforms, you need major personalities to use them. Otherwise, people won't get on there. Um, so, you know, if you think that it's organic growth that happens on these platforms, I don't think it is. I think it's always a coordinated business plan. You, you have strategic, you know, influencers, celebrities to say, Hey, follow me on Twitter. And it gradually builds like that. I don't think it's genuinely organic at all. Yeah. People don't invest millions of dollars on organic based strategies. They invest millions of dollars on, on strategically proven growth. Uh, so yeah. that's exactly what happens. But that being said, I think Linda Yacarino is a good choice. And I'm curious to see where Twitter goes with their video streaming, if it's going to be paid, if it's going to be free, how they're going to present this. Are they going to follow a locals.com where you pay to subscribe to Tucker Carlson's page to watch his videos? You know, where does this I think they go? might. I think yeah, they might because they've already uh, they've already released the um, like memberships thing that you can do on Twitter um, monetization as like you can provide extra content for your subscribers. YouTube and Instagram have that, and now Twitter has it too. Potentially, you know, you can have subscriber only content on Twitter. I'm currently being considered for it. They haven't approved me for it yet. You guys can follow me on Twitter actually, Real Ben Hedges, at Real Ben Hedges on Twitter. And our dirty money is on Twitter as well. At Dirty Money Show, same as our other social media. Yeah, I don't really post that much these days. I try, but uh, it's hard to manage when you've got Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, <laughs> so many different ones. But uh, Twitter, it's a little different. It's, a, you know, it's more of a conversation, I find, on Twitter. You know, Instagram's like photos. YouTube is video. Twitter is more like interesting conversation. Twitter is an engagement from both sides. Trending topics are legitimate. There's nothing censored. All right, guys, I, I think we should wrap it up there because we're coming to we're coming to like an hour. We've been talking, um, so I don't want to <laughs> keep you guys on too long. But um, we've covered some interesting stuff this week, and I look so I look forward to seeing what happens with uh, Miss uh, Yakarino. 
coming on with Twitter in about six weeks' time. And uh, also interested to see what happens with the debt ceiling and the whole House investigation into the Biden family. So much to unwrap and so much interesting stuff going to be happening in the next few weeks. Uh, let us know in the comments on whatever platform you're watching this on. Uh, what are your thoughts on these topics? If you're listening to us on any of the major podcast platforms, do leave a five-star review. Do share the podcast with your friends so that we can grow. Um, if you're watching on any of the micro content sites like TikTok, Instagram, Reels, uh, YouTube Shorts, our uh, our handle on those is at Dirty Money Show. So be sure to check them out on whatever uh, micro content site you're on. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Ben. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so please subscribe if you're new. We'll see you guys next week on Dirty Money.